0: So so we're just going to hook up with where Pastor has been emphasizing the word on Wednesday nights regarding the separated life. And we're going to talk about sanctification, or you might call it living a sanctified life. Now, uh, uh, interesting thing, uh, words that you see, English words uh, that you see in the Bible, uh, the word sanctify, sanctification, sanctuary, and even the word saint are all derived from uh, uh, basically the same uh, root word in the Greek language. And and also many uses of the word holy, holiest, and holiness that you see in the New Testament. Of course, understanding that the New Testament is written in Greek, uh, the the, uh, Old Testament in Hebrew. But, but uh, many, uh, in the New Testament, many of the words, uh, the uses of the words holy, holiest, and, and holiness are, are right out of the same root words that sanctify and sanctification, sanctuary, and saint come from. It's interesting, a sanctuary is a sanctified place, and a saint is a sanctified person. So uh, 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 we, we see these words that are really spread out all over the, both the Old and the New Testament. And what we're going to do tonight is, is dig into sanctification, uh, see what it means and see what God's part of it is and what our part of it is. And that's a big thing to understand in any Bible subject that there's, there's always God's part of it and your part of it. And uh, it, the, it's interesting that, that when you have an emphasis that goes too far on man's part of it, you typically end up with legalism or uh, people with a big list of thou shouts and thou shalt nots. And they're walking around with their to-do list all the time and, and never able to rest in the finished work of Christ. But then you got the other extreme, which is, seems to be pretty heavy in these days that we're living in right now. That emphasizes the finished work of Christ so much that it it almost implies to the saints that they don't need to do anything. And and neither extreme is correct. It's in the middle and in the balance of the word where the truth lies. Uh, The word sanctify, uh, what what does it mean? It means to set apart, to, to set apart as holy and special. You know, it's kind of like when you were shopping and you found the one you wanted and, and you picked that one, you sanctified it because you set it apart from the rest. Kind of like, man, when you picked your lady that you are now married to and uh, enjoying your life with, you know, you sanctified her. You picked her out from the rest. You, you thought she was the cutest cat in the litter. and you said, I want that one. I don't want others. I know I can pick others, but I don't want the others. This is the one I want. Oh yeah, come on now. Uh-huh. So, the the idea of sanctifying is setting apart as holy, setting apart as special. The, the, the word also could be used to consecrate. To consecrate or to sanctify would mean the same thing. Why don't you go to Leviticus 20? Leviticus 20, as we get started on this tonight. Praise the Lord. And uh, we're going to see something very interesting here. Leviticus, that's the third book in your Bible. Close to the beginning Genesis, Exodus, and then Leviticus, chapter 20. How many of you agree it's good to know how to get around in your Bible? Of course, in, in this day in which we live, y- y- y'all just uh, look for what button to hit for Leviticus and hit Leviticus and go there, and th- that's all right too. However, you get there, just it's important know your Bible. Chapter 20, verse 7 and 8, let's read that. Uh, the, the scripture says, Consecrate yourselves. In, in, the, in the original King James Bible, that says, Sanctify yourself. Sanctify, consecrate means the same thing. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God, and you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Now, something very interesting I want you to see here is that verse 7 starts out by God telling the people to consecrate themselves or to sanctify themselves. And then verse 8, he ends the sentence by saying, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And you might look at that and say, well, I'm kind of wondering here, are we supposed to sanctify ourselves or is the Lord supposed to sanctify us? And the, the truth of the matter is that both of those things are supposed to happen. The Lord sanctifies you and sets you apart for his purpose, for his calling, for, sets you apart as holy, sets you apart as special to himself. But then we also have a part to play in sanctifying ourselves. So, so that, that's, that's not a contradiction. That's not either or. That's called both and, if you know what I mean. Amen. So the Lord sanctifies us, but there's a, a, a self-sanctification that needs to be done as well. So what we're going to do, we're going to talk about the God side of this. But then we're going to spend a good chunk of the night on the man side of it. Are you ready? Now, with the God side of uh, sanctification, I just want to point several things out to you. First of all, the timing of God's sanctification of us, God's side of sanctification. Uh, The the scripture tells us in 2 Thessalonians 2.13 that God from the beginning has chosen us for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit. So what's the timing of this? In the mind of God and in the heart of God, he did this from the beginning. The scripture also bears that out in Ephesians 1:4 where it says that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So that's the timing of God's sanctification that 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 uh, from the very beginning before the foundations of the world he had us picked out and set apart for a special and a holy purpose. The source of our sanctification. That's another thing that we see. Understanding that 1 Corinthians 1.30 says that Jesus has been made unto us. Righteousness, sanctification, wisdom, and redemption. Hallelujah. Jesus has been made unto us. Sanctification. His work is the source of our sanctification. We can be set apart because of Jesus. And isn't that an interesting connection that we were set apart as holy before the foundation of the world. The source of our sanctification is the Lord Jesus, who just happens to be the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. You see, God don't think like we think. You see, we get an idea and have to catch up. God doesn't have ideas. He just had it all from the beginning. He had the whole picture, knew everything, knew every detail from the beginning. God, God just, he doesn't have ideas. He doesn't have ideas. He he, he doesn't have a aha moments where he said, oh, I'm glad I thought about that. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Glory to God. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right. So we see that Jesus is the source of our sanctification. You can also see the, the union of our sanctification. That, that in this setting apart. There's a union. Between the one who is sanctifying. And the one who is being sanctified. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11. Says that he who sanctifies. And those who are sanctified. Are all of one. And for this reason. He is not ashamed to call us brothers. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we see the union of sanctification, the fact that we have union with Christ. You don't have a head and a body that's disconnected. Well, i tell you, the body of Christ is the same way. It's connected. You, you don't have the head uh, being disconnected from the body, but you have the head connected with the body. There is a union between Christ, the head, and us, the body of Christ. Hallelujah. The scripture says we're all of one. And that's an amazing thought. Don't try to figure it out. Just believe it because the Bible says it. We see the means of our sanctification. Oh, yeah. And you say, I'm going fast. And I know I'm going fast because this is just extra. The stuff we're going to get to is where I'm going to go slow. But but the means of our sanctification, uh, the, the means by which it, uh, it's obtained and by whom it's obtained, the, the scriptures reveal that we're sanctified by the Father, that the Father himself is involved in our sanctification. We see that in Jude chapter 1 verse 1. Jude 1 verse 1 shows us that. We see that the Son, Jesus, is involved in our sanctification. We just made reference to that, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30, that Jesus is made unto us. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and and redemption. We see the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Ghost, involved in our sanctification over in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. We see that the word of God is involved in our sanctification. We see that in John chapter 17, verse 17, where Jesus said, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We see that we're sanctified by our faith in Jesus, sanctified by our faith in Jesus. We see that over in Acts 26, verse 18. We're sanctified by the blood of Jesus. We see that in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29 and chapter 13, verse 12. That's chapter 10, verse 29 and chapter 13, verse 12. You say, well, that's a whole lot. I can't take notes that fast. Well, you you can email me, P-R-A-Y-Z-1 at FCC-church.com. And if you missed it, it's on the website. Praise the Lord. All right. (laughs) We we see the the means of our sanctification is his calling and choosing of us. His calling and choosing of us. We see that in 2 Timothy 1 verse 9 and Ephesians 1 4. And we also see that the will of God is also a means for our sanctification. The will of God, specifically in this context, meaning the the new will and testament. Not the old will and testament that, that, that has passed away, but the new will and testament, otherwise known as the new covenant. We see that in Hebrews 10, verse 9 and 10. Someone say, The means of our sanctification. Well, I'll tell you, if that doesn't tell you anything else, that tells you that God went all out and got out the big guns to make sure that we were set apart for his purpose and for his cause. Come on, somebody. And what's the purpose of our sanctification? Why don't you go over to, to Ephesians 5? And check this out. What's the purpose in the mind of God? Why he would want to sanctify us, set us apart, consecrate us to to a a, a certain uh, sacred and holy purpose. Why would he want to do such a thing? Well, the scripture reveals that over in Ephesians 5. Praise his holy name, Ephesians 5. Take a look at verse 25. We'll start there. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So he, there's some sanctification going on, but he's not done yet. What's he leading up to? Verse 27, that he might present her to himself, that he might present the church to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. My goodness. So I kind of look at it like this. That sanctification is preparation for our presentation. Are you with me? Sanctification is preparation for our presentation. And there is a presentation day coming somebody when the bride is going to be presented to the groom. Hallelujah. And there will be a marriage feast. There'll be some dancing at this reception. Come on. (laughs) Known as the marriage supper of the lamb. Now, I, I know there's a few DJs in the house, probably. We, we may have a debate on whether Celebrate will be one of the songs at the reception or not, but I'm just messing with you. You know, that that's kind of like one of those songs that's at every wedding reception, you, you know what I mean. All right. Just a little side journey. We're back on track now. Here we go. Come on. I want you to consider this, that, that God's side of the sanctification That we've experienced is thorough. How thorough is it? 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 the apostle Paul wrote these words he said, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely thoroughly wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is a thorough thing that the Lord has done he has sanctified us completely And what's the product of our sanctification? Why don't you take a trip to 1 Corinthians 6? And we're going to see what's the product of all this that God has done. And his setting us aside from from before the world began. What's it all about? What's the product of it? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to keep you awake on this Wednesday night. You ain't sleeping on me, I'll tell you that. 1 Corinthians 6. Yeah, hallelujah. The product of our sanctification. What, 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 what happens when God has a finished product? This is just a beautiful picture. 1 Corinthians 6, take a look at verse 9. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Can anybody get excited tonight when you look back and you remember the mess you once was? The absolute mess going somewhere to happen that you once were. But now you are washed, now you are sanctified, now you are justified, and it's God Almighty that did it for you because nobody else could. Hallelujah. So we, we rejoice and we emphasize God's side of sanctification, God's side of setting us apart. And of course, What's the idea of being set apart? Well, this is a series that Pastor John's been teaching on the separated life. So that's the, you see the commonality of the theme, that idea of being set apart. So God has done this. But, but here, here's the thing. Always with scripture, you never have to wonder if God is going to do his part or something. That's never the issue. The, the, the big concern to have is whether God's going to come through and do his part of the deal. That is not ever a concern. You know why? God does not fail. God does not lie. God, for, for God to fail, God to lie, and God to not come through, he'd have to stop being himself. And he is himself and he's always going to be himself. His word will never fail. His promises will never fall to the ground. You can take it to the bank. You don't have to worry about whether God's going to do his part of the deal. So the question will remain, will you and I do our part of the deal? And what is our side of sanctification? Sanctification. Go to 1 Thessalonians 4. We'll get started there. 1 Thessalonians 4. Glory to God. What does the Bible say about our part in sanctification? Thank you, Lord. Don't you love the book? Yeah, we are hooked on the book around here. i tell you. Can't get enough. Hallelujah. First, first Thessalonians chapter four. Let's take a look at verse one. What does sanctification require of us? Finally, then brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you received from us how you ought to walk And to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. First of all, how important is you doing your part of the deal when it comes to sanctification? Let me tell you how important it is. God said it is his will for us. It's his will for us. Someone said, I want to know what the Lord's will is for my life, and I want to do what the Lord's will is for my life. Well, you know, it's interesting. On the way to finding out the specifics we should start off by doing the things that are clearly in black and white. And believe that as we start doing these, that the Lord will also make known to us the specifics. You know, the, the, the roadmap for your personal life that will vary from the roadmap for somebody else's life. But this here is the roadmap for everybody's life. So this is God's will for everybody. So you know it means you too. And it means me. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Now, now, do, do I need to elaborate on what that is? Do, do, do I need to, to go deep in, in, into the subject? Let, let, let me tell you this. It, it will require you to abstain from certain activity. And it will require you to abstain from certain people. And the the reason why it'll require you to abstain from certain people is because there are certain people that when you get involved with the people, you also get involved with activity. And if you're around people that are continually bringing you into activity, you need to be far away from the people that are getting you in the activity. Uh huh. I wave it myself for preaching good. So, so the scripture is not just talking about staying away from activity. The scripture shows us in other places, you got to stay away from certain kind of people. People that are not uh, abiding according to the doctrine you've received. The scripture says in Romans 16, avoid them. You might think, well, that don't sound like walking in love to me. Well, the apostle Paul seemed to think it was all right. You, you know, the, the, there's times where, in order to be set apart to the Lord, there's some people you just don't need to be around anymore. There's some influences you don't need to be around anymore. There's some relationships that, that just you don't need to have anymore. Period. And you say, well, you know, if I let this one go, I mean, uh, uh, you know, it, I just don't see uh, a light at the end of the tunnel for me. Well, come on and have some faith in God. That God knows how to hook you up with somebody that's going to love you and act right rather than be all over you and yourself every time they see you. Come on now. Acting all unholy and stuff. All right. Now verse four. I better get to verse four because if I say verse three, Lordy, Lordy. (laughs) All right. Verse four. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Now, now it's interesting. That there's, there's some Bible translations and some people that translate the vessel as, as being a spouse or a, a wife to a husband. I personally don't believe that. I personally believe that you possessing your own vessel as you exercising control over your own body. You know, the Bible tells us that we should keep our body under. 1 Corinthians 9.27 shows us that. So, so the, the interesting thing here about, about possessing our own vessel and, and sanctification and honor, that means we're controlling our vessel. We, we, we've, we've got, we, we're, we're putting the screws down on, on what we're doing. We're not letting ourselves run wild. We have restraints to what we do. And we're operating in a way that somebody who's set apart would operate in such a manner. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Interesting thing, understanding the, the vessel as being your body or your flesh. I look at it this way. There's two kinds of people in the world. There's people that possess their vessel and there's people whose vessel possesses them. There, there, there's people, believers who understand that that they are not their flesh or their body. They understand that they are a spirit and that God has designed the the born-again spirit of a person to exercise authority over the flesh. That the spirit tells the flesh what to do as opposed to the flesh telling the spirit what to do. And, and, And so the idea of you possessing your own vessel is you being strong in your spirit and disciplined in your flesh. That means when your flesh wants to do something that it ought not be doing, that you've got a spirit that's strong enough to pull the reins and say, whoa, horsey, we ain't going there. Amen. Well, all right. 2 Timothy 2. I know I could mess with you further, but I think we messed enough. 2 Timothy 2, hallelujah. Glory be to God. We're talking about our side of sanctification. What does the Bible say? The, the Bible says that, that part of what we do is we need to abstain from wrong activity. The, the one example that the scripture specifically mentioned is sexual immorality. And then it also tells us that we should possess our vessel, possess our body, exercise control over our body in sanctification and honor. So that means our set-apart spirit is teaching and training our body to act accordingly and to know who the boss is. That, 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 That the body is not the boss. That we don't do everything the body wants to do whenever the body wants to do it. No, the born again spirit in a person is, should be the boss. And that body coming into subjection to the spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Second Timothy 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, verse 19. Let's start there. It says, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself. So this is something you're doing to yourself. This is your side of sanctification. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter or from dishonor, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, set apart, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So you cleanse yourself, And by so doing, you are determining what kind of vessel you are. So this is not, you know, like uh, seven o'clock, you know, uh, uh, see, see, in our house, we watch Wheel of Fortune, let me just tell you. And of course, if you watch Wheel of Fortune, then you got to watch the little balls with the numbers on there at seven o'clock. And I want you to know that that what kind of vessel you end up being is not due to how the numbers come up on you. This is not chance. Or this is not that that God somehow, uh, and and there's people that actually believe that God just picked. All right, heaven for you, heaven for you, hell for you, hell for you, heaven, heaven, hell, hell, heaven, heaven, hell. That God arbitrarily did that without any consideration for a decision that we would have made? I don't think so. The Bible says that we are elect. But the Bible says we're elect according to the foreknowledge of God, which means God did not predestine us to a certain destination just because he arbitrarily picked us to be a certain way or have a certain destination. God has predestined us according to his foreknowledge because he knew ahead of time what we would pick. You see the difference? All right. That's a little side journey, but that's good for somebody. So, so we, we, we see here that, that what kind of vessel we are, we've got some say so in. That verse 21 says here that if we cleanse ourselves from the latter, from the dishonor, there at the end of verse 20, that we would be a vessel for honor and that we'd be sanctified, set apart, and get this, that we'd be useful for the master. Is there anybody in the house tonight that wants to be useful for the master? That you want to be in a place that God can put you to work and use you for something. And that you'd be prepared for every good work. So it is our decision whether or not we'll cooperate with the Lord and whether or not we'll be useful to him. Now understand this regarding good works. Very, very simple. Ephesians 2 teaches us this, that we are saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. We're not saved by works, lest any man should boast. But then Ephesians 2 chapter 10 tells us that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. What is the proper place? For good works. Here is the proper place. You are not saved by them. There's nothing you can do that's good enough to get saved. But the scripture says you are saved unto good works. In other words, good works are not the thing that get you saved. Good works happen as a result of you being saved. You see that? Good works flow out of you because, you see, you have different fruit now because the root got changed. Your old root, you were a mess. You, you were a mess of a root and therefore you were bearing bad fruit. But God made us new creatures from the root. So therefore there's a new root that now can grow new fruit. Hey, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So therefore, you're not saved by good works. You're saved unto good works. The scripture also says this, Philippians 2.12, that we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. There's a difference. You're not working for your salvation. There's nothing you can do to work for your salvation. Well, where's the place of works? You're working out. Your salvation. Well, what's the difference between working for and working out? Working for is doing something to try to earn something. You can't earn salvation. We don't deserve salvation. We deserve hell. Thank God that Jesus took our place and suffered and died on our behalf and took the punishment of the cross and took the punishment even of hell itself so that we will not have to go there. Thank God. But I want you to realize this, that that uh, that the idea of working out your salvation is, is is this working for is trying to earn. Working out means that you've got something inside of you that's not supposed to stay inside of you. You've got something inside of you that's not just supposed to sit there. It's supposed to be manifest on the outside. You see, you had something that has changed your character on the inside and that's supposed to show up in what you do on the outside. So that like Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. How does that happen? Because you've had a change on the inside that is now showing up on the outside. And people see it and recognize that it's the Lord's doing. And what do they do? They don't glorify you because they know you're not cute enough and smart enough to do that on your own. They glorify your father, which is in heaven. Uh-huh. And... and Uh, Back to 2 Timothy 2 here, the the idea of, of, of being a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master. I want you to realize this. Talk about being useful. How can I be useful? Let me tell you that the church has its greatest impact on the world when it is least like the world. It's it, it's amazing how how Christians, folks that go to church every week, know more about pop culture than they know about the Holy Bible. There's something wrong with that, because we we're living in a world, but but you're not supposed to be. Of the world, you know, the the world should not be your, your, your top priority, your, your first goal to, to learn about things that, that are meaningless in the grand scheme of things. I mean, imagine all this time that we're putting in to paying attention to things that mean absolutely nothing and all the time that we're not putting into things that mean absolutely everything in the grand scheme of eternity. I'll tell you, God don't care if you don't know the difference between L.L. Bean and L.L. Cool J. You may fail a test on pop culture, but there's one test on a day that's coming that you don't want to fail. You want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. So the church has its greatest impact on the world when it is least like the world. Let me put it to you like this. Oh, Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. It's okay for the boat to be in water. It's not okay for water to be in the boat. Hey, hey. yeah, somebody got that. Oh, I get it. (laughs) Because the scripture says, Jesus said you're in the world, but you're not of it. So, so, uh, here, here you are and, and, and get this picture. See, see the idea of, of people that thought we need to be reclusive and, and the idea of being sanctified, I mean, we just need to stay away from everybody. Well, well th- that's taking a boat that's supposed to be serving a function in the water and putting it on the top of a hill somewhere far away from the water. See, a boat doesn't have a function way up there. A boat doesn't have a function way up there. I mean, put a house up there, put anything up there. You don't need a boat up there. Why? Because it's uphill and nowhere near water. So if you want a boat to serve its purpose, you put a boat in the water. But what you don't want is you don't want water in the boat. So what does Jesus want? Jesus wants us in the world without the world getting in us. And I tell you, I think a lot of us in, in some ways have sprung a leak. And we're taking on more than we're dishing out. And that's a very important thing because the Bible said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because if anyone loved the world, the love of the Father is not in them. And I'm not saying not not to be up on the times and not to be up on current events. I'm not telling you that at all. But I'm telling you, what, what needs to be numero uno? What needs to be top priority? What, what needs to be the focus of us above anything else? It needs to be him. It needs to be eternal things. It needs to be the fact, not for things we're looking for down here, but the fact that we, like Father Abraham, are looking for a city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is Almighty God. Hallelujah. That, that we finally figure out, you are temporarily living here. This is not your permanent dwelling place you on your way somewhere. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Now, as we're getting ready to wrap up here, Lord, how did it get to be this time already? Well, why don't you go to 2 Corinthians 7? And while you're going to 2 Corinthians 7, I want you to read, read you something out of 2 Chronicles 29 and verse 5. 2 Chronicles 29 and verse 5. Where it was said, "Hear me, Levites! Now sanctify yourselves, sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers, and carry out the rubbish from the holy place." Imagine that—that that, that, the the temple, what was allowed to to lie uh, dormant and, and to. To, to fall into the hands of those who would not care for it. And, and, and that the, the scripture would actually command, carry out the rubbish from the holy place. And 2 Corinthians 7.1, what does that say? 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, therefore having these promises beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So we see Second Chronicles talking about carrying out the rubbish from the holy place. And Second Corinthians talking about let, uh, us cleansing ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. Can, can I just give you a deep word from the Lord? Here's a real deep word. It's time to take out the trash. Oh yeah. It's time to take out the trash. It's time to do an inventory on what's happening inside of you. And I'm not just talking about works or deeds or activities. I'm talking about motives and intentions and matters of the heart that nobody else can tell but you and the Lord. Those things. Those matters of the heart. Huh. Some of those are tougher than the the works of the flesh. Some of those get even more deep-rooted. Especially unforgiveness and and not letting uh, somebody go of their sin when you want the Lord to let you go for your sin, but but you ain't letting somebody else go for what they did to you? (laughs) Come on now. So let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. It's time to take out the trash, somebody. It's time, like uh, we read in Second Chronicles, I read to you a few minutes ago, carry out the rubbish from the holy place. Because who's the temple of God now in the New Testament? It's you. It's me. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The scripture teaches that very clearly. And I want you to know this, that, that, that I think sometimes we need to do what Jesus did. And when Jesus went into the temple and knocked over some tables and kicked out some money changers, I believe there's times where when we see things in our life and going on in our temple that don't belong in the temple of God, we need to go ahead and kick some tables over and throw out some money changers and cleanse the temple. Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. Interesting thing. James chapter 1 verse 27. James identifies something called pure religion. As a matter of fact, the word religion and the word religious is only used once in the Bible as far as I know. And it's over there in the book of James. It said pure religion and undefiled before God is this. To, and he talks about visiting the, the, the widow and the fatherless in their affliction and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. So, so you see, when, when, when you take out the trash, when you cleanse yourself, if you rub up against something that's not clean, you say, well, I'm not just going to go ahead and stay dirty. I'm going to go ahead and cleanse myself. I'm going to keep myself clean. I'm going to keep myself unspotted from the world. As James said in chapter 1, verse 27, how important is that? It's time to cleanse ourselves if we need to, when we need to. It's time to take out the trash when we need to. Jesus said in John 17, 19, and imagine Jesus saying this. He said, for their sakes, talking about his followers, for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Imagine that Jesus said, I'm sanctifying myself so that others would be sanctified. Imagine that you can have such an impact on somebody's life that by you being set apart to God, by you being sanctified and and setting yourself apart to God, the the way you know you ought to be can actually have an impact on somebody else's life and get somebody else in and get somebody else sanctified that you can have a sanctification chain reaction. Come on, somebody. And I want to close with this. And in line with with the theme that we've heard out of Pastor John's heart, especially on Sunday mornings for for quite some time now, anticipation for for where God is taking us as a church, anticipation for what God wants to do with us as, as a church. And, and, and the, the level he wants to bring us to. Do you think the sanctification might have anything to do with that? I want you to realize this. First of all, that uh, uh, over in uh, Matthew chapter 3, when John the Baptist first showed up, His ministry was to go and tell people, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he identified himself as as the one that Isaiah prophesied of. that, That was the voice of one crying in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord. So the man, John the Baptist, the man who was called as a forerunner to the Lord Jesus first coming. And there is a second coming that is soon to come. But the man who was the the forerunner to the Lord's first coming told people to repent. Now, what's repenting? That means, and and some of y'all remember when uh, uh, Apostle Lafayette Scales so uh, uh, beautifully illustrated it. It's when you're going one direction. It's when you stop, you turn around, and you start going another direction. That's what the word repent means. You're going one way, you stop, you turn around, and you go another way. Well, that's an act of sanctification. That's an act of setting yourself apart. You're going one way, and then you realize, I don't need to be set apart to this. I need to be set apart from this and to this. So the very act of repentance is an act of sanctification. You are setting yourself apart from something and setting yourself apart To something. And so repentance. That act of sanctification. Was part of people's preparation. For the first coming of the Lord. Now if repentance prepared people. For Jesus first coming. How foolish can you be to not think. That repentance would also prepare you. For the second coming of the Lord Jesus. Come on now. You know you can write a few references down. 1 John 3 1 to 3. 1 John 3 1 to 3. It says he who has the hope of his coming. Purifies himself even as he is pure. And also you can write down 2 Peter 3 10 to 14. Uh, just w- great examples that talk about how. Us. Uh, Living the right kind of life. Doing the right thing before the Lord is actually a a step that somebody who wants to be ready for the Lord's coming would take. But I, I want you to realize this. That when God's getting ready to do something, there's always a call to go out to repent and to straighten things out. Because the... Uh, the condition that we're in can affect whether God can do something he wants to do or whether he can't do what he wants to do. There's a whole lot that Jesus wanted to do with the city of Jerusalem. You you remember the point where he cried over the city and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who stones the prophets and and, and kills those who are sent to you. How often I would have wanted to gather together uh, your children as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not. Which means Jesus had something that he really wanted to do, but he could not do. Because they actually limited what he could do. So what I want you to see is this. Go to Joshua 3. Joshua 3. That that us being sanctified and set apart can actually put us in the position that we need to be in so that God can do what he wants to do. Joshua 3, and and you can write this down while, while, while you're going there. Acts 3, verse 19. Acts 3, verse 19 says this. Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Imagine that the act of repentance would be listed as a prerequisite to these people being able to experience times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Does anybody want some times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord? Well, can you identify in yourself some things that you need to turn around, separate yourself from, and separate yourself to something? Turn your back on something that's wrong, a wrong direction that you're going, and head in the right direction. And that that act of sanctification, that act of setting apart, would get you ready for something God wants to do. Joshua 3, Lordy, 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 here we go. Look at verse 3. It says, And they commanded the people, saying... When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Somebody say, go after it. Go. Come on now. You can preach right there. That, that, that when, when you see God moving, go after it. When, when you see God doing something, go after it. When you see God in something, go after it. You want God, go after him. Those who seek him will find him if you search for him with all your heart. Look at verse 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. So very simple. Don't get too close where you can't see the direction that the leader is going. You want to be able to keep the Lord in your sight so you can see where he's going, so you can go where he's going and follow him. And also because, hey, it's, it's really simple. You've not gone this way before. This is new territory. Now, verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And I want you to know, Faith Christian Center, that our pastor has spoken over and over again. And I'm convinced of this fact, that the Lord wants to do wonders among us. Wonders in this place. Wonders in this region. Wonders in our communities. And to be ready and to be prepared and to be in a place where God can accomplish everything he wants to accomplish. What is required? Sanctify yourselves. Set yourselves apart from stuff that's wasting your time and getting you off track. And set yourself apart to him and his purpose and what he's all about. And when you do such a thing, then you have prepared yourself for the wonders that the Lord desires to do among you. Come on and praise him tonight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we give you glory tonight. We thank you for the word of God. And we thank you for what you've communicated to our hearts. We honor you and reverence you and give you glory in the wonderful name of Jesus.